You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassio. Twenty twenty two marks the twenty fifth anniversary of the untimely death of FDNY EMT Tracy Allen Lee, who was the first EMT to contract HIV on duty in the city and in the country. Allen Lee dedicated her life to caring for others, but spent the years leading up to her death fighting for the benefits for an illness obtained while in the line of duty. It wasn't until a year after her death that she received the line of duty designation and a New York state law granted line of duty benefits to any EMT and paramedic who contracts HIV while on the job. This year, the department honored her service and sacrifice in a memorial ceremony at Station 10 in Manhattan. Family, friends, and leaders of the FDNY gathered at the station where she worked to memorialize Alan Lee and celebrate her legacy. Here's some of the remarks FDNY Acting Fire Commissioner Laura Kavanaugh had to offer at the solemn ceremony. Alan Lee's story is one of heroism, of dedication, of service, and of activism. That she continued to fight for the benefits while she was sick showed the kind of tenacity and persistence that she displayed in her entire career. It is that tenacity and persistence that turned the sadness of her death into protections that her coworkers still have this day. The work of our EMTs and paramedics is hard. There are challenges and obstacles and dangers present on every tour, every single day. Advocacy is still needed for members of EMS, and she led the way. We know our members are safer because of EMT Allen Lee, and while we are deeply saddened by her death, we are so grateful that she continued to fight for the benefits she and others so deserve. Doing so made our members better protected for decades to come. She was incredibly brave in her service, in how she battled her illness and how she fought for her rights and the rights of others. She leaves behind a legacy of selflessness and dedication to service. We continue to remember her life and her work, and we feel appreciation for the kind of EMT she was and the tremendous legacy she left behind. The incident that changed everything happened on November 1st, 1989, when EMT Allen Lee responded to a patient in cardiac arrest in Midtown Manhattan who was severely bleeding. Alan Lee and her co-workers had to move a patient out of a cramped apartment into the hallway to continue patient care. While attempting to move the patient, her gloved hand was caught on a nail, tearing the glove and cutting her thumb. Unaware of her own wound, she continued working on the patient, whose blood mixed with hers. Alan Lee's former colleague, retired Deputy Chief Jackie Sullivan, can vividly recall the life-altering events of that night. I wasn't her partner that night. I was on another unit. Tracy had asked for backup because they had to carry this person down from the third floor down to the lobby of this building, which was really dilapidated. At the time when the AIDS epidemic was occurring, the city was placing people in hotels. People who tested positive with AIDS? Yes. But we had no knowledge that this patient had AIDS, who's an unconscious stabbing victim. So Tracy and her partner were carrying him down the stairs. Somehow Tracy, uh, there was a nail and a protrusion out of the wall. Tracy's glove got caught 
and part of her thumb right here started to bleed, but she didn't realize that. And then in the ambulance, we backed her up. We got in the ambulance, and we were doing CPR with her uh, to Bellevue Hospital, the traumatic arrest. It was a lot of blood. There was, I believe, two or three stab wounds. Uh, when we got to the hospital and everything calmed down, Tracy looked at her thumb and said, you know, I'm bleeding from my thumb. I said, okay, we have to do a, a workman's comp package. But at, at that time, there was no procedure for this. There just wasn't any procedure for this. So we just followed the regular guidelines of submitting a workman's comp package. After getting back to her station, EMT Allen Lee filled out exposure forms to document that she had been exposed to the patient's blood. At that time, she did not know that the patient was HIV positive. Five years later, in May 1994, she was admitted to the hospital for an upper respiratory infection, and this is when she learned that she's HIV positive. Tracy married her high school sweetheart, Victor, in 1992. When she received the HIV diagnosis just two short years later, she immediately thought of Victor and his well-being. She was more worried about me, uh, about the news. Um, it was very difficult, and she said, she was just like, wow, I, I got you sick. Let's go get you tested right away. When my test came back negative, she was just, you know, she was relieved. But, you know, we repeated the test, you know, several times, and each, each single, every single test of mine came back negative. Why, I don't know. For the next three years, as she fought the illness, she also had to fight the city to receive benefits and recognition for the illness that she obtained in the line of duty. Current FDNY Chief Medical Director, Dr. Glenisada, explains what protocols and limiting beliefs existed at this time. I remember in the 80s, you know, I started with EMS uh, in 1982. And back then, gloves were available for the most part, but it really wasn't like you have to wear these and things. And I think the HIV epidemic and subsequently pandemic when it went to the world really allowed us to realize we need to protect ourselves. And so back then, it was referred to as universal precautions. Subsequently, it went to BSI, or body substance isolation. And now, you know, for the last over a decade, it's really PPE, or personal protective equipment. Um, but back then, HIV really was a death sentence. And, and there was such a stigma back then as to who got HIV initially. It was predominantly men having sex with men, also those that were deemed to be promiscuous or potentially using IV drugs, dr drug abusers. Uh, we've come a long way from back then, but that stigma was there. You know, now with the medication that's available for HIV, uh, people, it's no longer a death sentence. You flip through the television channels and you can constantly see these pharmaceutical companies advertising their medications to say that, you know, if you take this medication and don't test positive, you, you can't even transmit it. Uh, they, they seem to make it uh, something you can live with. And not, not, not only seeming to, but people are able to live with it. To a point where people are not as afraid of HIV as back then in the 80s, we were all terrified of it. I know that some responding EMS providers would not go into a patient scenario if they knew it was an HIV-positive patient and blood was in the area. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I had a couple of cases where I had to back up another unit because the unit that responded just wouldn't go in. And that's when, you know, obviously you want to protect yourself as best you can. But I think 
as with everything initially, uh, in her case, I think there was pushback to say, well, perhaps she did not get this on the job, on an assignment. Perhaps she got it elsewhere. And so I know with benefits and things that ultimately you know, are provided, at the time, they were pushing back to saying, well, how do we know that she got this on that assignment? It, I don't think it came as a complete surprise to anyone that the law department would controvert a case like that. I think it was a disappointment that within our own ranks, we even had people making very uh, judgmental and biased opinions and sharing them openly about why they didn't believe it was an on-the-job exposure. In spite of all the training we were doing at the time of the high-risk exposures, and we had a lot of high-risk exposures back then. There were areas of the city where one in three newborns were born HIV positive, right, which is a very high-risk uh, assignment where you're exposed to a lot of bodily fluids, both the patients and the newborns. But just as an example, that's something we were teaching back then and why gloves were so important, why goggles were important, why a face mask was important, and particularly in areas where you thought you were at risk for what we call a splash injury. And in spite of all those things, there was still a very heavy social stigma for perspective on timeline for those you know, younger listeners, and in particular our, our younger members. This pandemic is escalating through the decade of the 80s. It doesn't peak in New York City until 1995. Magic Johnson doesn't tell the world until 1991. The movie Philadelphia starring Tom Hanks and uh, Denzel Washington doesn't come out until the end of 93. And all of that timeline helps maybe to paint the picture. It's a very powerful message of what was happening in society at the time to people with AIDS and how stigmatized it was because there was fear. Right? That was probably the main driving factor. Is it was a death sentence, and so there was a lot of fear about how you could get this. There was a lot of disbelief and misinformation about how the disease, the, the virus, was transmitted. Tracy had to deal with all of that in addition to this situation of potentially not having any benefits. And what does that mean? What does that translate into? It translates into health care. Right? If she were to go off payroll which could happen when something is determined to not be line of duty. If she went off payroll, she was going to lose her health insurance. And if she lost her health insurance, how does she get any of the treatment that she needs? Even though at the time this is a death sentence and there's no treatment to reverse the consequences of this virus, there were still ways to treat the consequences that she was experiencing on a daily basis before she does finally succumb to the illness, right? EMT Allen Lee's really tragic and unfortunate case really brought to the front line how we are exposed as pre-hospital care providers to so many things. While Allen Lee fought for the line of duty benefits, she continued to work light duty in the FDNY. Captain Bill Ackley worked with Allen Lee during this challenging period of her life. She was reassigned to Station 15 and uh, uh, she was sent up for light duty, and I was assigned to the station as a paramedic at the time. Was she sick already at that point? Yeah, she, she was already diagnosed as uh, HIV. Uh, it wasn't well known throughout, but there were rumors and such uh, uh, about it and stuff, and then uh, uh, finally, um, 
Tracy just let it be known that, that she was HIV positive and dealing with it. Tracy was beautiful inside and out. I mean, she just, she was just, she was a good person. She was, she was uh, uh, warm and caring and funny and she maintained her dignity and she maintained her humor even in the face of what she knew was, was going to ultimately uh, be the end of her life. And she, she just wanted to make sure that we were all okay. And she did. It wouldn't be until her funeral that Mayor Rudy Giuliani announced that EMT Alan Lee would receive the benefits owed to her. Her death paved the way for state legislation that grants exposed EMTs and paramedics an automatic or presumptive three-quarter pension. Here's Dr. Aceda again to highlight the significance of this momentous decision. This tragedy with Tracy, you know, her struggles uh, really allowed things to escalate to now where we are reporting things as a possible exposure very early on because there are some time limits. And so if there's a potential exposure, we'd rather err on the side of caution to say, listen, let's fill out this paperwork. If it turns out not to be anything, at least we have it documented in case it does turn positive, you know, because you can't go back and say it's related to that. There's no documentation. The medical equipment uh, unit, the medical equipment committee, you know, they're always looking at uh, obviously medical equipment as well as, and that would include uh, PPE, you know, what level do we need? Um, what kind of protection uh, should we have as a, a minimum? You know, we also rely on uh, outside agencies at the federal level, CDC, for example, State uh, Department of Health as well. But uh, with Ebola in the first 2014-15 realm, we realized that their recommendations are not always in line with what we need to do. So we've always looked at their guidelines and usually supersede what they do to protect our members. Because at the end of the day, we have to make sure that everyone goes home safely to their families and not only going home, that they don't expose their family members because, you know, that's a double tragedy to that. Uh, so the Medical Equipment Committee is really robust. You know, we have a, a physician that I've assigned as the medical director of that committee. We have the union members involved. We have operations. We have, uh, you know, uh, all aspects of our department involved to figure out what is the best that we need to do, need to do for equipment and to protect our members. In addition to the groundbreaking legislation she helped solidify for her fellow members of EMS, her compassion, dedication, and perseverance inspires family members, friends, and EMTs and paramedics to this day. She was kind, she was very gracious. Not only her way that she treated her patients as if they were family, no one was just, you know, no one was beneath her. She was just, she was there to help or everybody and that's something that you can't forget um, Tracy was like that at home she was like that you know at work friends I mean that's the way if you ask anybody friends of her she would say you know she was the most given loving individual that you'll ever meet and unfortunately she was taken too soon one of the things that uh, I took from New York City when I went on, on to have my career in Connecticut was I took so many lessons that I, I use today, and Tracy was a big part of that. You know, I had bosses that I've taken lessons from, some good, some bad, uh, uh, but all really, really important. And Tracy, I, uh, what I took with me from Tracy was the empathy and how important people were and, and how necessary it was to, to maintain that when it's really easy in this job to forget about that and 
to become jaded or crass or uh, even disrespectful of people in their situations. Uh, Tracy never allowed that to happen for me and so I've always tried to pass that along to the folks that I work with but also to the students that I teach and come in contact with and I try to represent that in EMS and how important that is uh, for us to be you know we always we always want to be recognized as a third service or have equality with others in healthcare field well this is Tracy epitomized that you know because there was not a less of a person everybody was human and that's what we needed to focus on, was taking care of people. Though there was the special ceremony honoring the 25th anniversary of EMT Alan Lee's passing, the FDNY continues to honor her memory annually. Each year during the department's prestigious Medal Day ceremony, a medal named for EMT Tracy Allen Lee is awarded for bravery to EMS members. FDNY Chief of EMS Lillian Bonsignor spoke to this legacy during the anniversary ceremony. Tracy is remembered for her unwavering bravery, empathy, and commitment to the communities that she served. She inspired her partners and others around her to be better, kinder, and supportive. She consistently provided comfort, care, and compassion to those most in need. Tracy was taken from us way too soon. However, she is still with us today, remembered as both a legacy and an angel. We shall never forget her touching parting message to her EMS family. And I quote, you make a difference every day. Saving lives is so important. And I want each of you to promise to stay safe and careful. Forever mindful of your sacrifice, Tracy, we promise to continue making a difference. We promise to continue saving lives. We promise to remain careful and safe. We are humbled and thankful and still grieve your absence. Your memory and the precedence you set affords us protections. We are forever indebted to you and your family. With peace in our hearts and a promise in our minds, we shall always honor, appreciate, thank, and celebrate the impact of Tracy Allen Lee. Thank you for listening to this episode of the FDMY Pro Podcast. I'm Chief of Staff Elizabeth Cassia. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to fdnypro.org. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest.